Welcome to episode 5 of season 2 of the Search with Candle podcast, recorded on Wednesday the 9th of February 2022. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm joined by my regular co-host Jack Chambers and today we'll be talking about the Google Search Console URL Inspection API again. We're going to be talking about the Systrix Index Watch 2021, the UK Retail Edition, winners and losers, query strings and links, and the Bing Automotive Marketplace. Search with Canva is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of their brilliant free tools, such as being able to check your visibility index, Google Update Impact, Keyword Research, and PageSpeed Checker. You can also find monthly trend watch data and the index watch data, which we're getting onto later, by going to systrix.com slash trends and signing up for the newsletter. That's systrix.com slash SWC for free tools and systrix.com slash trends for Trendwatch and Indexwatch newsletters. So I briefly touched on the Google Search Console URL inspection API that has been launched. It was big news last week, but I didn't have much time to really delve into it because it was so new. I recorded it a week ago on Wednesday and it had kind of broken kind of Monday night UK time and only a couple of bits and pieces were coming out and we're seeing the first Linklings Valentin Pletzer and Keywords and Sheets were two examples I gave last week of people that had already brought this inspection API into their tools and things like that. But now we have quite a few more and I thought it'd be good to talk through it with you as well, Mark, to get your ideas and get some thoughts and some things you've found from, from this as well. Yeah, I, I loved it because this happened obviously when I was off and I don't think there was any kind of warning from Google that this was going to happen. They've always been a bit cagey about Search Console and some of the data in there and what they're showing. And if anything, when we went from the what's now, I guess, old Search Console to the current one, we lost some fidelity and detail of data. So I was kind of su surprised they just dropped the API on us. And I think a lot of tool vendors were as... And I've been really impressed, actually, the, the scramble and how quickly they've got that integration live. I joked about it last week. I'm like, by the time the listeners were hearing this on Monday, after I'd recorded it on Wednesday, the chances are all of the well-known crawling tools have probably already got integrations. And of course, I mentioned Screaming Frog. I mentioned SitePob last week. I was correct. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, those two great guys, of uh, the whole teams there have, have been able to integrate it pretty quickly, which I was... Again, I'm very impressed by. And yeah, got some interesting stuff. Sitebulb is literally just, if you have it connected to the search console for that domain or for that property, you just tick a box and it says fetch URL data from search console URL inspection API and it does it for you. It's lovely. I think it's worth reading as well for Sitebulb users. They, in their update kind of email newsletter, it is worth reading a little bit about that feature because... I can guess from how they've written it, they've already had some feedback of people misunderstanding the API. So as Jack said, if it's connected to Google Search Console, it will give you that uh, default property that's connected to that domain, but you, you can actually change that. And as I'll talk about later, the, um, the limit, the API limit, the 2000 URL limit is per property, not per kind of whole domain, whole website. And also, it's worth 
bearing in mind because it's per property, it's not per tool. So if you are using other tools such as Screaming Frog to query that property and you are going to use up your, your API credits and there is actually rate limiting as part of that API as well. So if you run multiple tools at once, you're likely to get errors and, or not the data back that you need. So it's worth just quickly reading through that because it is new for everyone and it might save you some headaches. Yeah, definitely. I know Screaming Frog have done the 16.6 update release notes and Sitebob have their version 5.7 release notes as well. And of course, I mentioned a few other ones that are the more, less, less crawlers, more kind of just free tools to have a play with and test out and stuff. I mentioned from Valentin Pletzer um, and the guys, Mike Richardson through Keywords and Sheets as well. And we've seen a few other ones, haven't we, Mark? Yeah, so there, I was looking through the list of well, stuff that people had done in terms of scripts and, and tools. Because my first thought was, oh, there's a limit on this API. I don't like limits. How can we get around that? It, it wasn't until early this week that I did see, I think it was a comment by Lily Ray that the limit is by property, not by website. And obviously you can add additional verified properties to your search console. Essentially as many as you like, right? Well, not within not reason. Many, yeah, so this is this is what I looked at, which was, <laughs> so you can add things like, particularly helpful if you've got um, maybe different country subfolders, if you've got a blog, a news section, a forum, they're all reasons already you might have separate verified uh, properties on your search console. And I didn't actually know how many properties you can have in search console. So yeah, I, you very rarely bump up against that limit, right? I don't think I've ever thought about it before. Yeah, so I, I was doing some Googling and I found in their documentation, it says you can have up to 1,000 properties in your search console account. So by account, obviously accounts hold domains and websites. So it's not per domain, that is per account. I believe so. Right, right. And obviously 2,000 times 1,000, like 2 million. 2 million, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> So I don't know if that would work. I kind of feel like it's taking the piss if you try. <laughs> but it would be interesting if someone made a fresh Search Console account, verified those properties and, and, and maybe tried that. One of the scripts I found particularly interesting was by Jean-Christophe Chournat. It was written in Python, which is why I was particularly interested in it because I do a little bit of Python. And he's written a great tutorial and given the source code for how to query this API, get the results back in JSON, and then essentially do what you like with it. And again, I was thinking around this 2000 URL limit, because if you've got this and you can run it locally in Python, there's no reason why you can't have your database or your sheet with URLs that you want to query, you know, that's 10,000, 20,000, whatever, and actually just set this up as a timed job to query 2000, wait, 24 and a bit hours, 24 hours, one second, <laughs> and then continue doing that and build a report yourself. So I think especially for larger sites, you might want to break it up into these component important parts of your site and then maybe have a script like that, just constantly collecting that data for you. So that's a really good place to start um, that script by Jean-Christophe. Um, the other really nice thing I saw was by Lazarina Stoy which was a Google Data Studio setup whereby once you've done the kind of query within Screaming Frog, you can essentially just dump that data 
into Google Data Studio and it makes it really nice and easy to read and visual breakdown of essentially all of that, that data you get. So that's a really nice way. Maybe if you're not quite as tech savvy, but you've got Screaming Frog and that's something everyone can do. And it's those kind of, these kind of middle steps that I think help get you the insight. So you've gone from the, okay, well, we can get this data but then you kind of have to slog through it to get something <laughs> actionable from it or make sense of it. So Or presentable as well, if you're discussing it with clients or with the, the team, in-house team or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think data visualization, uh, I mean, there's a whole topic anyway that's interesting, <laughs> but I do think it's especially important with, with data like this, you know, because as humans, if we can see things visually, normally we can we can spot patterns and, and understand it better. So, you know, it's great that we've got all these extra resources now essentially for free pretty much in a, in a week, right? Yeah, it really does feel like it's come out of nowhere. And as I said at the top of the show, it's pretty impressive how quickly everybody has been able to turn this around and really transform it into so many different directions and so many different ways of presenting it. And if you don't have this tool, there is an alternative by using this thing. It's fascinating. And absolute credit to the developers and SEO people that have been able to build these tools. Uh, there is a link in the show notes, as always, to all of these and the great list in an article by the, of course, always fantastic Aleda Sully's on uh, Search Engine Land. And that links out to eight of these tools, including a couple we haven't mentioned, plus a couple we have mentioned as well. So we're at the midpoint in the show, so let's talk about some Systrix data. We're going to dive into the Index Watch 2021 UK Retail Edition. And I know we did touch on a few kind of like department stores and stuff like that when we touched on Index Watch previously, but we're diving a bit more into the retail details. Again, Index Watch done by Luce Rawlings, one of the data journalists over at Systrix. Very interesting read if you do want to dive into that in more detail. We'll just kind of go through a couple of highlights now. You can go and get the full thing at systrix.com slash trends. I like that. The retail's details. The retail's details. Okay, let's talk retail's details. In this, in the UK retail list, we've got winners and we've got losers again. And I just wanted to have a quick look at the very top that we've got so far and the very bottom, unfortunately. Very top of this list was Etsy with an almost 29% increase in visibility which didn't surprise me because I have been seeing a lot of Etsy in a lot of kind of, especially, I guess, gift searches around Christmas. And especially during the pandemic with people from the other side of it becoming Etsy sellers themselves. I know my partner has gotten into like making like uh, resin molds and coasters and stuff like that. And I keep going like, get on Etsy, go and sell them. At the moment, she's just doing it for our wedding, but <laughs> yeah, she wants to start like, you know, selling stuff. But I think there's a lot of people have been doing that and like, oh, I'll take up a hobby in while I'm furloughed or whatever it was over the last two years. And then people are suddenly selling stuff and you realize there's a huge market out there. So it totally makes sense that Etsy is continuing to grow in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, I, I started selling some stuff on Etsy in lockdown, which was um, I made a little uh, prototype for a box with two buttons on that connects to your computer via USB and you can disconnect and mute Zoom calls with it or Google Meet calls because when when you were still getting really up to speed with using Zoom at the beginning of, you know, everything is now on Zoom, there was always that 
awkward few seconds at the end of the call where everyone's kind of just looking for oh, how let, to let, let me just close the window I, I can't find the um yeah i'll i'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll lay you in a minute yeah that, yeah, yeah exactly. thanks bye bye yep or, or trying to find the mute thing so i was like okay we'll make a little button for this and interestingly i so i made them i made one for myself and it worked and a few of my friends were like oh cool can i have one so i was like yeah so i bought some stuff made them and i was like i wonder if anyone else would want these so i listed them on ebay and on etsy and one thing that interested me was Etsy outstripped eBay massively in terms of sales. Um, I ended up stopping selling them because I, at some nights, was just having to spend three hours building, little building boxes. boxes like a production line. And I was like, what am I doing with my time? But, you know, et Etsy, the demand there was, was, was wild. So um, when I didn't, the first thing I actually tried when I didn't want to make them was I just doubled the price. And people still would buy them. <laughs> and they were paying for shipping to the US. Oh, which wow. Which was like another 10 quid or something. I love, I love that you have this, this humble brag of like, oh, I was too successful with my business. <laughs> we're still talking low numbers. But they, 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 take like, they take like 30 minutes to build one when I got good at it. Um, so that's a lot of, you know, if you get 10 orders, that's like five hours. Yeah. I've got, you know, and it's just, I've got other things to do. Anyway, we're going off track here. The, the point I wanted to make was that I feel like you say, maybe there's a certain um, type of seller which maybe has moved away from eBay and onto Etsy. You know, just from that experience of essentially two identical listings with identical photos, the ratio is like 10 to 1 in terms of, of sales. And I'm not surprised to see this increase organically in Etsy because I do see them coming up a lot. I think it's a lot of these kind of crafty things. I touched on like resin stuff. You mentioned hand building these little boxes with switches and stuff. It's all this kind of crafty handmade kind of stuff. I do not think of eBay when I think of that. I think of Etsy. eBay for me is almost just in terms of like instantly, what do you think when you think of eBay? It's reselling stuff. It's, you know, oh, you can find stuff from an international seller you maybe can't find on Amazon or you can't buy directly through their website. Or, oh, I need a copy of an old book or an old DVD or whatever it is. But Etsy, to me, is always more focused on the handmade stuff and the crafty stuff. I bought my wedding ring on Etsy. Like, put it that wow. way. Yeah, put it that way. Like, it's this weird thing where I think that is so integrated into Etsy's brand at this point. And that is, like I said, I think that's becoming more and more popular with more people trying to do their own, like, small home business kind of thing. I think it totally makes sense that we've seen growth there and more people are moving away from the other side of kind of e-commerce and moving more towards Etsy for that kind of thing. Yeah, certainly when I think of eBay now, um, a lot of it I've seen is, is, is basically people buying stuff in bulk from abroad and reselling it basically with, with razor-thin margins, um, which is very different to Etsy. So it's not the generic marketplace it used to be. But just because something deserves to rank or is helpful thinking back to what we said about top cashback a couple of episodes ago oh, yeah. doesn't mean it will necessarily rank and what i found interesting about etsy is they do have to me it looks like and again this isn't an in-depth kind of investigation i've done but they have definitely got a very specific strategy with their seo so you know they've got all of their kind of category pages but one thing i find interesting when you look at um, Etsy in particular is they have this kind of market page, this slash market page, and they are 
hyper, hyper targeted pages in their thousands, tens of thousands. To give you an example, I searched for something ridiculous. I searched for handmade niche candles. <laughs> and of course, Etsy was first. And the first page had the page title. I think it was niche candles. And then they ranked second as well with an indent for candles niche. <laughs> and then I tried this, this really similar query. So handmade candles. So leave out the niche. Yeah. And the first ranking page was Etsy. It was a market page they've made, which was handmade candles. And then the second ranking indented was candles handmade. And looking at these pages, they were pages with some sponsored results on. Um, and it said, you know, we found 70 whatever results. So they're treading this line because they're kind of like a search result page because they're not in their main menu it's not like a, a standard category subcategory but you know if your site runs on a database what is a category page anyway it's, it's just a list of things that meet a criteria so it, the the line for me between that and a search page is very thin from that you know they they might call them you know dynamic category pages or something <laughs> like that but you know that to me is one of the reasons they seem to come up so much for all these really specific searches I do it just seems that Etsy has a very closely matched page and one of the um, again things I'll be talking about at Brighton SEO is this targeting of this in incredibly long tail and Google getting slightly better at that and that I think is one of the reasons why we've seen this consistent climb in what Etsy's doing I mean they've got the links to back it up you know that you know they've got everything. that also helps yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe it was links <laughs> you know linked is certainly part of that but you know so i don't think anyone could just apply this strategy because it would look spammy but they've got the inventory they've got the you know the content the people like you say that they're attracting the sellers um maybe not so many now they've put their fees up but you know it it, it to me it just looks like a well-executed seo strategy within with intent and and it's working for them. And like, as you say, I think that's all tied in with their positioning, their kind of market positioning is bang on. Uh, at, the, at the other end of the scale is, at the moment on this report, Matterland. I feel like that's a brand name I haven't heard in a few years, and that kind of says it all. And to be fair, listeners outside of the UK, you may not have even heard of this brand. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, do you want to explain what Matterland do quickly? clothes and stuff and like homeware and bits and pieces like i think they try and like purposefully undersell other more like up brand high street stores i believe and it's kind of that we have like home bargains here in the uk as well and that kind of like discount maybe it's like last year's trends and now they're super cheap in this kind of high street store so you're not paying like super top dollar but you can kind of get away with like oh that was cool six months ago that was interesting a year ago and kind of do it that way so Matalan, 52% down visibility-wise since 2020. I had a quick look on Twitter just to see if anyone had been talking about it. Um, I found one tweet a couple of months ago from someone, uh, Dan Ullman, saying, just saw uh, this at the bottom of the category on Matalan's website. Admittedly, I'm not up to date with SEO trends as I should be, but are we back to doing this again? <laughs> and <laughs> a bit harsh. It's, not, it's actually not that bad. I checked it out. But basically, at the bottom of the category page, they've got a you could also try. And then it's, you know, men's dressing gowns, men's pajamas, pajama bottoms, men's loungewear. 
that's kind of fine. Like, yeah, rela related search stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's useful, I think. What was a little bit odd, um, so I looked at one of the suits pages and you had similar thing, you know, you could also try men's accessories. Definitely made it clear that this was automated because you could also try and then one of the links is just categories. So I, I can see this has been pulled together um, by an automated system. But then what was a little bit odd was there was a kind of a read more link because it said there was a H2 that said style gurus welcome, <laughs> read more. Lovely. So I clicked read more and basically... You're a style guru. You knew you were welcome. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm welcome here. <laughs> and uh, it opened up to 5H2 saying style guru is welcome, jealousy inducing jackets, suited and booted jeans. They're all separate. <laughs> I love it. Suited and booted jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but so I'll just read this text to you. So it said style guru is welcome. Then you've just got the paragraph text says you consider yourself something of a style guru and we respect that about you. I do. I do. <laughs> That's why we've set up a page dedicated to fashion-conscious chaps who are looking to add some panache to their already fashion-forward wardrobe. Can you hear me cringing, <laughs> listeners? I'm physically cringing right Take now. Take a look at our must-have collection here and get ready to find your new favourite. Jealousy-inducing jackets. The temperatures are finally starting to rise, which means... Da, da, da. So you get the idea. It's, temperatures are fine. It's February. <laughs> Tem yeah. Temperatures aren't starting to rise, Madeleine. So, <laughs> I don't know. I was a little bit confused because... If that was, and I don't know a lot about Matalan brand, if that was kind of an on-brand type thing to say, you know, a copy thing, because, you know, if you're trying to create that brand feeling, then it feels like it should be more front and centre rather than in a read more, read less type thing. It feels like it's been put there for SEO, but then it's got a couple of internal links in there embedded in that content, but it's not particularly keyword heavy. So... I just kind of don't know what it's for, really. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I don't, I don't understand what it's for. It does, it, I don't see it having a massive impact on SEO. But then if it was kind of a consumer brand thing, why is it hidden even on desktop? The Citrix data interestingly shows that some of their biggest drops were uh, related to the review updates. Um, I do know it was probably a couple of years ago now, though. I saw some SEOs that were working on slash with Matalan, we're talking about disavowing links. I doubt it's that because it's the timeline seems a little bit too long for me. So the reason I like these index watch pieces is, you know, this is what I'm going to be looking at now. You know, these top few sites, these bottom few sites, I would want to be understanding, especially if I'm in this niche, what have they done? What have they done wrong? Or what have these people have done right? They may not have done anything wrong. Sometimes Google gets collateral damage. But of course, yeah. These these are the ones that I'll be looking at in these index watch reports. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we touched on kind of subconsciously when we talked about index watch losers previously, where we talked about website migrations. And like, if you've got a website migration coming up, or you, like you said, Mark, if you're in that niche or in that market, similar to the companies and sites that are being analyzed here, you need to keep an eye on that stuff and see where they're going wrong, what they're doing right, all that kind of stuff can really benefit, I think, people from, from both sides, both winners and losers. So we talked to Will Critchler at the end of season one. I think it was the last pretty much episode I did. It's episode 129. Oh, thank you. And, you know, the only thing I can think as well, if, you know, if you're working at this kind of scale, because these are all big sites, right? is that if, if you're working on a site like this or you've got John Lewis in, in here and some of the top winners, you know, and we're talking about sites here with 10, 20 million organic visitors a month that 
that's the kind of level of site that should be using some kind of A-B testing as well for any on-site changes because they've got the traffic, they've got the categories, they've got the parity, technologies there. They've probably got the budget for it as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not cheap to do well, but if you get this stuff wrong, it's expensive. And, you know, sometimes, as we said before, it's SEO. You know, you can do everything right and still end up <laughs> in a difficult situation. Um, and I'm sure, you know, a company, again, to give the caveat at the end of this, like we've talked about before, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. SEO isn't the driving force behind a lot of businesses. It's an afterthought or certainly it's not a big stakeholder in certain decisions. You know, we talked about the M&A stuff and migrations as well on the podcast before last. So don't know the background, but I think it's worth looking at these kind of cases. And if you'd like to go and check out IndexWatch, as I said a few minutes ago, go to systrix.com slash trends, sign up for the newsletter, and you can also check out the blog posts in full. They tend to have a little preview of the top three for the first couple of days before the newsletter goes out, and then you can get the full Index Watch and Trend Watch newsletters delivered to your inbox by signing up for the newsletter. Okay, I wanted to round off the show with um, two little stories that I think are worth mentioning, worth talking about, especially this first one. There might be, this might be a game changer for someone listening to this. Not the first bit, maybe, which is that John Mueller of Google, very kindly, as he does, he spends a lot of time speaking to SEOs, answering the same questions over and over again in an incredibly patient uh, manner. He does, bless him, yes. Has confirmed, which should not come as a shock to most SEOs, that just because a link has a UTM parameter on it, that it doesn't make it a paid link. UTM links are for those that don't know, maybe is a bit of a legacy thing. It's the urchin tracking query strings that Google Analytics uses where you can specify basically where your traffic's coming from and lots of platforms will add them by default. If you've heard the phrase UTM and you think like, where have I seen that before? And you've had a look at analytics, or even if you've clicked on a link from an email or something like that, almost guaranteed it will have UTM underscore source equals, and then talk about the source of where you're clicking from. And as you said, Mark, it's a way of tracking people from different sources through to your website, from your newsletter, you'll get source equals email or source equals, you know, all that kind of stuff and basically be able to track through marketing campaigns, through email campaigns, through SEO, through paid links, all that kind of stuff. It's just a way of tracking people coming to your site and where they're coming from, basically. Yeah, you see people use them in all kinds of places, even in their like Twitter bios. Yeah, so yeah. They'll say, oh, okay, this many people came from clicking on my Twitter bio. It's basically a way to provide that referrer information and not, re not get it lost and end up in direct traffic again, like we've... As we've talked about, about before, yeah. Yeah. What's, I think, particularly interesting here is, well, a couple of, couple of things, actually. Firstly, and I just want to add this in, I guess, as an as a additional note, which is please don't use UTM codes on internal links. I've seen even Reddit do that. Really? Um, yeah. And it really annoyed me. It's like one of the most visited sites on the web. The front page of the internet, in so their own words. If you use UTM codes on your own internal links, it basically breaks the session which is going to cause you problems. So therefore, external links, don't use them on internal links. So the reason John Mueller had to tweet this was that 
Some people thought that Google maybe was seeing links with UTM parameters in as paid links because it's quite common when you do any kind of paid activity that they'll end up with these UTM codes on so you can be accountable for, for the money you're spending for the traffic. And some people thought this or even some people thought links with query strings were going to be discounted or classed as paid links. Which oh, is interesting. Yeah, especially while because most old CMS systems, that's just how you got to other pages. Everything had a query string on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so if you think it through, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But of course, he's confirmed that no, they're definitely not considered paid links. They're, they're just links. The interesting part for some people here might be to do with affiliate schemes, and especially affiliate schemes that are run internally. And by that, I mean you're not using a third-party network. You're using your own custom query strings to track uh, your affiliate links because technically affiliate links to your site should be no-followed and, and marked or marked as sponsored links because you are paying people essentially to promote you so they have an incentive to link to you. And I have seen many, many websites over the years and still recently ranking very well because they run their own affiliate schemes and they have loads of affiliates, sometimes in the hundreds of thousands of links to their site just with their query string on and Google's counting them because they're followed. I've seen probably I could count on one hand sites that have been penalized for this <laughs> um, that were very um, kind of ag aggressive and avert about it. But what Google is, is saying here, I, I think, and what you can read between the lines here, is that it, it would be very difficult for them to determine which query strings are anything to do with a, an affiliate network and which were just UTM or, you know, any other. I mean, you, you could run and you could code an affiliate network to work with UTM codes. Yeah, exactly. You could actually generate random custom query strings for affiliate URLs. So even if there was a way that Google could footprint it, there is ways you could easily make it pretty much impossible unless it was manually reviewed. So I just thought I would put that out there and leave it as a, as a thought piece for either those that might be currently ranking due to lots of affiliate links or those that are considering how to run their kind of own affiliate network and the, the not their own affiliate network, their own affiliate program, sorry, and the benefits to that. And lastly, my two of two is about Bing. Oh, yeah, we get some Bing news. We get some Bing news. And I'm mentioning Bing news last, not because... Bing is not as important as Google to me. Well, you'll hear why. So the, the news is Bing has now launched a kind of new car slash automobile set of search features that, quote, helps you find your next car. They've announced it on their blog. So again, search.withcanda.co.uk and we'll link you through to the official blog post that gives you the whole sales spiel about this new set of search features. But basically... It's kind of a carousel-y card kind of interface that we see with a lot of these um, types of search verticals where you can search for either a type of car. So you might say, you know, if you're American, like if you're looking for a buy SUV or you can search for, you know, Mazda MX-5 specific models and it will bring back um, 
it'll bring back results based on locality, prices, images. It, it's a whole little search vertical, a bit like Google has or something like flights there. So I thought I would check this out um, because in Bing ads as well, there is a specific like automobile format where you can list the images and the price and, and that's built in there. So I went over um, to the link from their blog post. At the top, I saw the sponsored ads. So for, for me, lo locally, it was AutoTrader running ads based in Norwich. So they're, they're on that, obviously, being AutoTrader, uh, showing ads in the right place. And it said the nearest car to me was like 60,000 miles away. So obviously, it was giving me US results. My fault, because it said, uh, we've expanded the search area to find more matches for you. You can find listings on GB Market here. So I clicked here and then I get the whoops, something went wrong page <laughs> and I got kicked back to msn.com. And Brilliant. I tried it a couple of times in different browsers. So that's the experience I got. So <laughs> this is just really a tail end note for you for if you're working in automobiles, this is what you want to have a look at. New feature on Bing. Um, I assume they're going to fix it so it works in, <laughs> in the United Kingdom at some point. They'll get around to that. Maybe somebody at Bing is listening right now and they're like, Oh my God, we left, yeah. we left a broken link in there. Maybe they'll do some kind of testing on their site or, you know, something like that would be cool. But yeah, it's, it's broken as far as I can see for the UK. I just saw Jack was... I've just tested it as well, yeah. Yeah, yep. so it's, it's definitely not just me. It's not working, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> That's why I chucked it at the end because <laughs> I didn't want to make a big thing of it and then be like, well, yeah, it's broken. But if you're in the US, it appears to be working. Uh, something you might want to explore if you're doing SEO or even paid in that automobile slash car, as we call them, space. And that's everything for us this week. We'll be back in one week's time, which will be Monday, the 21st of February. And until then, I hope you all have a lovely week. Bye.